Welcome to the Outdoor Country Talk Podcast, hosted by Jacob Poole and Jeremy Shaw, where we bring country living and the great outdoors together. All right, welcome back for another episode of Outdoor Country Talk with Jacob and Jeremy. Jake, what are we doing this evening, man? Man, we are sweating is what we're doing this evening. I'm here in the oh, studio, yeah. and it is warm. The air conditioner in here is not working this evening. Not not in the studios, huh? Not in the studio. I, I, I may have a, a beat or two perspire off while we do this one. That's totally understandable. A, a week it's been, you know, thank goodness. I say thank goodness. We got some soccer games that was rained out this week, so kind of saved me from melting one day. Well, we've had Pee Wee football practice the last two days, and yeah, the soccer practice actually canceled pitchers and one game, but it really wasn't going to make a lot of difference. I was already warm <laughs> for football practice, so we would have just moved from one to the next. Yep, just flowed right into the next one. It's all you can do. All you can do. Man, I am. That's it. You know, we, we, are, we are moving forward with a podcast, and we've got a, a really really inter- interesting interview today. Yes, yeah, one I've been looking forward to. I know we've been talking about it now for a couple of weeks of of trying to get these guys, you know, uh, uh, together and and kind of kind of getting this this going. I, I don't think this is going to be one that's going to be one episode. It's probably going to be multiple episodes to it. And I think a, a story, a brand, uh, you know, kind of like we got now deserves probably more than one. So I definitely think it's going to take that. And you know, this kind of gets back to. And I know we've said it before, kind of why why we started this podcast. You know, this gives us a chance to, you know, tell the the, the behind the brand, the behind you know behind the scenes story. Probably answer some questions for people that they've had, you know, about these couple guys. And and man, I think we're gonna get a lot out of it. I know I wouldn't bet we're gonna learn something, even though we know them, you know, pretty well. But I think we're gonna learn something, and and I think that. Uh, Everybody that listens to this is going to, going to learn something from these, these two guys here. Oh, no doubt. And and these two guys have a huge social media following. And, and I'm going to bet that there's a lot of people that have been following them for quite a while that are really, really going to find a lot of what we're about to find out very interesting. Oh, yeah. I mean, we're able to we're able to get the get the information out of them, or I think we will. Of what what people's been wanting to know, kind of how they got started, what they what they did before they got to here, and man, I think it's going to be uh, I think it's going to be great. I really do. Do you want to go ahead and introduce them? I believe we can. I believe we can, guys. Tonight we have Matt Howell and Daniel Smith from Freak Outdoors. Guys, how are y'all tonight? I'm doing good, Jeremy. Jacob, how are y'all? Doing good, guys. Man, we Man, are we're great. We have been we have been looking be forward to this. for sure. Well, answer this, Matt. Are you taking a selfie right now? No, I just got it all out of the, out of my system, man. We just uh, uploaded a new video today, and you know I had to get my FaceTime on uh, Snapchat, so I got all this selfie out of the way. Well, I know well, I know we've picked at each other amongst ourselves over this but several years ago matt went on a, a duck hunting trip with me in arkansas and i had never at that time seen anyone take that many selfies in my entire life i mean it didn't matter if we were in a duck blind if we were in a buggy if we were at the camp if we were in a 
pawn shop with a cutout of Matt. Was it Michael Jordan? Who was a cutout of? <laughs> oh gosh! It, uh, no, know, it wasn't. It was BB King. It was BB King, wasn't it? BB King. <laughs> but he's over there taking selfies with it. I'm like, what in the world have I brought to Arkansas? Oh, but I look from watching his following and seeing whatever he's doing. I think the people like it. I, I do believe so. <laughs> I believe I am just old and maybe outdated is is where where it is actually ended up at. Well, you know, you said you, okay. t- you took you took Matt on a duck hunt. I know. I tell a quick story here, kind of get us kicked off, I guess. So Matt and I, well, before before Matt and I went on the hunt, I'd hunted with a couple of my buddies at this particular spot. I think it's like two or three days before Matt and I went. And, man, it was one of those, you know, textbook hunts, go in there, you know, get your limits, you know, take take to all the pretty pictures, and, you know, everything was right. So I'd give Matt a shout, and I and, uh, told him, I was like, look, I'm free. I think it was a couple of days later. I said, man, what you think about going? He's like, heck, yeah, count me in. I'm going to bring the camera. We, we're going we're gonna to get it. So, Jacob, I can't remember if you were with us or not, or who was, who was with Matt and I, but so we get there, and I will say this. We saw a lot of ducks. The killing, on the other hand, wasn't so much, but we saw a lot of ducks. What, what would you What would you have to say, Matt? I think I've seen more ducks than I've probably ever seen. Um, they just weren't uh, on the stringer that morning. <laughs> Y'all weren't quite on the X? Uh, well, I think the whole place was the X. I think the X maybe have moved a little bit for us, but hey, you know, we're sitting here telling a story about it, so it was a, it was a good day in the woods, better than a... It was worth a trip. Yep, no doubt, better than being at work. Daniel, what you up to, man? Oh, man, you know, just getting kind of ready for the hunting season, been spending the season out, shooting the new bows, getting those started in, and, and doing a little work, you know, trying to... Trying to make the bosses happy before I, I disappear for a while. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know I always try to save some save some vacation for this time of the year myself and and uh funny how that works out for, for people like us, but hey, I guess we try to make the best of it, right? Yeah, I gotta put my vacation in. Oh yeah. Exactly who do you put that vacation time request in with? Oh man, put uh, it into me. Okay. I put it into Daniel, and I, I thought Daniel, there's how many days I got left. I scheduled for me. <laughs> well, you know, Jake. You know, when we were up at the expo up at Jackson a couple weeks ago, I think I saw the guy that Matt put that vacation in with. It was a guy strutting around with a cowboy hat. You know, kind of. He, he was working in, in the freak booth, and uh, I bet I bet that's the guy that that receives a vacation request. Now, hold on now. He had a yeah, special little, name, little didn't Jimmy he? Dishon. Little Jimmy Dishon. I let him. Yep. If you ask him, he's Justin Moore, but we call him Little Jimmy Dickens or Little Trent or anything works. I mean, that's how we uh pretty much classify Trent. You're the smallest guy in the crew. You just gotta <laughs> take it. That's Matt's workout partner too. I seen I seen him in there giving Matt a few a few pointers on working out a time or two. Is that Matt's training is, coach, uh, strength coach? He definitely is my uh, my uh, trainer for sure. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to 
trying to go backwards from where I'm at, so he helps me out a lot in that. <laughs> Did you just say you're trying to go backwards from where you are? <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm playing. But if, if, the, if the day comes that uh, I got to put my my uh, vacation request in a little strand, it's something really, really going backwards for them. Well, he might just be going up. You can't ever tell. I need to be taking vacation tips from a little strand. He, uh, he recently took him a three-week vacation to the beach. We didn't hear from him. Left us. I drive on the road. Sounds like he's got it made like that. Sounds like several man, don't, need to take, man doesn't even have a job, and he can go on a three-week vacation. <sighs> he got something figured out. <laughs> is he in the politics? <laughs> I don't know what he does, but he, he got a lottery on. That's for sure. Oh he, man, he may have won the lottery and not told anybody. Who knows? Well, guys. I think we're going to kind of get this kicked off by, you know, kind of, kind of, we, we want, we want, we want the backstory. So, uh, y'all can kind of pick who goes first here, but kind of lead us into, to, you know, obviously you're, you're in the outdoors. You, you, you've got your brand. Kind of what got y'all into the outdoors? Kind of what, 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 so going through the childhood, what got y'all out there? What kind of, what built that fire into y'all for the outdoors? Yeah, well, you know, for me, it's, it's kind of an easy one. It kind of starts like uh, everybody else. I was, you know, born in Mississippi, born in Macomb. I lived there my whole life, and you know, kind of in the city. But it, you know, y'all are all y'all all know Macomb. Most people do. It's three or five, ten minutes away from where you know I've shot a turkey this year. So it's really not that that developed. But um, Grandpa had land out in Priceville. Y'all know that's that close to JS and Really, we'd go out there all the time, and I was born and raised just like most of us were, not really into the video games, and it was a different era when we grew up, really. Uh, you know, your mom would clean the house. She said, stay outside all day. You stayed outside all day. And uh, we spent a lot of time outdoors with my grandpa's, and, you know, about when I got uh, 12, 13 years old, and dad bought me a, you know, I guess it was when he decided, because I've been fishing my whole life uh, growing up. That's my first fish was a catfish, probably, you know, I'd say I was probably three foot tall. This this thing's every bit of two foot long. So I've been fishing as long as I could walk, or at least thought I was fishing. But uh, my dad bought me a 30-30 at the age of about 12, and uh, I can remember clear as day, first time ever shooting that sucker, uh, first time ever shooting a gun, you know, it's just harder than a, than a 22, of course, which it don't kick. You know, your first experience with a gun that kicks. You know, I scared the best to shoot 12-gauge after that. But uh, we, we we go hunting pretty regularly with my dad and just squirrel hunting, me and my brother. So my dad really got me into hunting just like everybody else. And that's really where, where it all started for me at a you know, young age whenever my father taught me. It felt like it was the right time to put a gun, trust me, there was a gun in my hand, and I feel like, you know, every kid should be ready that way. Well, Matt, I know something, you know, I think you and I have known each other for a pretty long time. I remember when I first met you, I can't remember exactly how old we were, but I, I started playing some Little League ball in Macomb, and you and I were, were actually on the same team one year, and I guess that's kind of how I, how I met you. You know, on the on the ball field, that was pretty pretty big part of your life, as I can remember. 
Oh yeah, uh, I, that, that really kind of the reason why outdoors or hunting really didn't get you know I didn't start turkey hunting until after I, or a few years before one or two years before I graduated high school. And uh, really, the biggest part of my life in the spring and the summer is always baseball. So um, really, the outdoors kind of took a back seat to baseball and primarily deer hunted when I was growing up. But yeah, baseball was my life, man. I I uh, played in high school and then turned down a few opportunities, uh, yeah, a few college opportunities, and um, played at played Southwest for a little bit and really kind of quit that to uh, start my other business or, you know, me and my best friend Jonathan started right out of high school, which was a window sending a sign making business. And, uh, really that was my passion with baseball, man. I, I live for it and, you know, I'll never forget the day I quit. I had to quit. I cried, you know, told my mom I wasn't gonna, wasn't gonna do it anymore. And they all said, business will be there forever, but this baseball won't blow with it right. Yeah, I'm not going to say who was better that I can remember between you and I, but I'll just say I didn't have any opportunities I had to turn down. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You, you just wanted to let me have my, my time, I, I understand. You think he was just letting you have the spotlight? <laughs> he's still he's still relishing his uh, glory days. Uh, I'll, I'll vouch for him on his athletic ability. You know, we've been friends a long time. He was a enough behind me in high school that we didn't ever get to overlap and play high school baseball together. But, you know, even when I got out, you know, when we started kind of being friends or even knowing of who each other were, you know, heard about what he was doing at, at Macomb. And then, you know, now in our later years, we've spent probably the, the last six or seven years playing softball. And anybody that knows Matt knows two things, knows he's a freak of an athlete and he's about as injury prone as it gets. <laughs> um, you know, we, you know, as, as we get older that we always try to hang on to those last few moments. And, and, you know, I've been playing men's and co-expetitive softball since I was playing church league when I was in high school up until, you know, currently, but Matt didn't really play that much when we were younger. And then the last few years, we've kind of, the last five, six years, we've got him to, to buy in. He's a, he's a huge asset. I'll, I'll put him up foot race and arm strength. I'll put him up against any 30 year old that, that ain't already in the league day in and day out um you know funny story like i said everybody that knows him around here knows that he's he's pretty fast but when you go places and you tell guys you're fast most people just kind of laugh that off or think you know you're just faster than slow they don't really associate with fast with legit true speed and uh i remember one night probably 2015 uh which would still put him in his mid-20s we were uh headed up to Missouri to go deer hunting, me, him, and uh, Blake Finn. And uh, we stopped in a gas station in Wentzville, Missouri. And it was probably 2, 3 in the morning. Um, we were all still dressed in our clothes from that Friday day, jeans, tennis shoes, T-shirts, you know, whatever. We go in there, and there's this teenage kid working the gas station, gym shorts, T-shirt, tennis shoes, you know, looked athletic. And uh, I don't know what sparked the conversation. Um, he may have been wearing a high school T-shirt or something or a baseball cap. Or something. I think I was in there and I asked him something about school. And he said, yeah, I play football here and here. And I said, oh, really? Here we go. He proceeded to make the bold comment that, that he ran a, a, what was it, a 4-4, Matt? 
he told me four three. That's four, what I'm three. talking about. If you're gonna tell it, tell it. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> you know, outside of about Bo Jackson, Deion Sanders, and Chris Johnson, there ain't been many four threes running around on the regular. Um. So Matt, right then, was fully engaged. Four three. That was that old nanny doe standing in the food plot when you just make any mm-hmm. move. Head whipped around, ears full forward. Say what? Did he snore? And uh, he said, you, you run a 4-3. And, and Matt said, well, I'm pretty fast. You want to race? And the kid popped right back. Yeah, I'll race. And then right there at 3 o'clock in the morning, that joker walked to the front door, let us out, locked the door to the gas station, walked over to the truck, and and, and we proceeded to set up a, uh, a track meet right there in the parking lot. I asked Blake, I said, what size shoe do you wear? Oh, I wear 13, dude. I'm like, oh, gosh. So we were going to foot race in the gas station parking lot. Matt in cowboy boots, (laughs) jeans, and a t-shirt versus Wentzville's fastest in gym shorts, (laughs) a tennis shoes, and a t-shirt. And... Blake gets out there probably about 40 yards across this gas station, and, and, and I'm sitting there, got my phone out, because everybody knows me knows I take videos and pictures of everything, and I line them up, and, and Matt being the veteran, knowing that if this kid, by some awkward chance, was or a legit 4-3, was going to need whatever advantage he could get being in cowboy boots and blue jeans, he... He sits there, looks at the kid, and as I'm videoing, he tells the boy, you want to say hey to everybody back home? And uh, the kid, as soon as he, I mean, motioned his head to the right to look back, Matt broke out, and the kid broke out. Well, Matt had him. The kid, if the kid was a 4-3, Matt was a 4-flat. And, <laughs> and they, Matt's on him about, I don't know, I'd say a good three or four strides ahead of him. And as they're closing, I'll say the kids, I watched the video again, you know, the other day, the kids closing on him a little bit. Well, Matt, right as they hit the, the line that Blake's on that was extended out, that was when, when I go back to injuries and it all falling apart. The wheels came off literally. Thump, thump toe on the next stride and head over heels in the middle of the parking lot. Um, he ended up beating the kids. But he ripped his hands open, huge gashes, blood going everywhere, jumped up in victory, threw his hands up to not give away any injury. As soon as I killed the camera, it was just, oh, God, it hurts so bad. <laughs> <laughs> so are you saying that uh, super athlete but just graceful is not in his name? Uh, he said, uh, I'm holding on to one one string or something. I'm holding on to that last string, a hamstring, just waiting to pop whenever I start running every time. Oh, I'm going to go ahead and tell you, it doesn't get any better as you get older. But I'll say, you know, despite the, you know, how he throws, how he runs and everything, he's, he's a heck of an athlete. He could have done a lot in baseball. He he. he Probably still could, you know. I don't know if y'all seen lately the oh. kid that went and threw on that video on YouTube and got signed by the Oakland A's. He was throwing in the, the Rockies through 96. I don't know if Matt could hit 96, but I'm going to say he could probably bump 90. So if, uh, if the wheels fall off, we, we, just, doors, we just recently had a we just recently had a little competition here at uh, CJ. Somebody thought they could out throw me. We won't talk about him. He's a good friend of ours. But, uh, 
Do we have video of this? Like, like a, we do have video of this. Awesome. I just saved it. We're on a redneck, redneck top golf type bar we're at, and it's kind of like a bar, and you got our driving range out there, and we've been leading up since weekend talking about, you know, he was going to out me with a baseball, and we could never get around to it, but we found ourselves on this lit up driving range with a bucket full of golf balls. And I said, hey, uh, hey you want to go ahead and have that throw off right here? Yep. And uh, let's just say uh, it wasn't even close. And this guy was a quarterback at a, at a Division two school, full-time starter every year. Two for a lot of yards. So, I mean, it wasn't no slouch that Matt was boasting against. I mean, the guy's got an arm, but uh, apparently throws a football better than a golf ball. When I threw that ball, Daniel looked at me and he said, how fast did you say you threw in high school? Because I think you throw in 90. It's, it's, it's clear. So I think I'm going to try out. So I just want to know if I got y'all support. No, no doubt. 100%. Man. We'll be there to video. You going to run the business for me while I'm gone, Dan? I'll run it one way or another. Either <laughs> either to the top or in the ground, but I'll run it. I was thinking he was probably going to be your, uh, take over and be your manager. Oh, yeah. That was what I was well, I thinking was my, my next role was managerial status. There you go. Well, Daniel, do this. Um, you, you've told us about you and Matt a little bit, but how did you how did you get started in the outdoors? Um, you know, kind of like Matt said, uh, fairly traditional route. You know, I, I was single mom raised, but I was fortunate enough to have some some really good grandparents and uh, two really good grandfathers. Um, my grandfather on my dad's side, he was he was real influential in my in my outdoor life. Uh, started taking me hunting with him when I was two, three years old. I mean, he was literally packing me around in diapers. Um, they helped, they helped raise me while my mom was finishing, you know, college and stuff. And, uh, so kind of the way I've been with, with my son, Brennan, and, and uh, like a lot of dads are, when you're kind of stuck in that situation, the only way you're going to get any time outdoors is if you take the kid with you. So they packed me along with him and, um, as I got a little older where I could, you know, walk and go on my own, we kind of got away from deer hunting. Got really big into rabbit hunting through my, you know, later single digits and into my early teens. And then when I got to probably 10, 11, 12 years old, I started back getting into deer hunting and, uh, you know, slowly progressed away from, from, uh, hunting with him to, you know, hunting 75, 100 yards away to eventually, you know, as I got to, 13, 14, 15 years old, kind of making my own stands, hunting my own spots and doing my own thing. And, uh, you know, he, he's probably hands down, you know, fishing, hunting, deer hunting, turkey hunting, you know, 100%, the most influential person in my life and uh, still is to this day. You know, we he calls me all the time, asks me every time we go on any of these trips, wanting to know, you know, what kind of deer and stuff we're killing, how that's going. Um, and, and has stayed very involved. He's, he's you know, big supporter of, of when he knows that I've got my son with me on a trip or we're doing something, calling all the time. And, uh, you know, and I couldn't, I wouldn't be where I was if it, if it wasn't for him, you know, involving me in that and, uh, and introducing me to all the different aspects of it. You know, like I said, turkeys, bow hunting, gun hunting, rabbit hunting, and just kind of giving me the full bag of it, um, and, and progressing me along as I grew up and basically telling me, Whatever you want to do, I'll, I'll get you the tools you need to do it. If that's what you want to hunt is this, then, then I'll go get you a shotgun if you want to hunt turkeys. If you want to hunt 
deer with a bow, go on and get me a bow. And, uh, and, and, you know, that's, that's who I owe everything to. Well, having that support network is just awesome to have. I mean, Jeremy and I have discussed it before on this show that we both had that support network, whether it was through friends or family or, or whatever. But, you know, if you have that person or, or people that will take time, and it doesn't matter whether it's an outdoors or just any outside activity, you know, whether it's playing ball or, or doing anything, you've got to have that support. You've got to have somebody backing you up and somebody that's willing to help you and show you. And the life lessons that you can pick up from people, they may not ring solid with you then, but I know as I reflect back and look back on things that happened when I was younger, you know, it, you can see where where things turned. You know, I was maybe going in this direction, but through this person's influence, I was able to get down this path. And there's there's no proper way to ever say thank you. Just my thoughts on that. Yeah. Well, oh, Daniel, how did how did you meet up with Matt? Well, you know, like I said, when we were we were younger, we uh we kind of met, you know, early early my early twenties, his late teens, um, through some mutual friends. I had. I had moved off and had taken a job working down in Baton Rouge and uh, was coming home on a couple nights during the week and didn't really have anywhere up here to stay. So I had some good friends that were kind of letting me crash their places when I wanted to come up. And uh, Matt was really good friends with those same guys. So that's kind of where our friendship kind of sparked up. It wasn't initially around hunting or, or, or ball together. And uh, those guys live right next to some... Uh, some public land and had a little bit of land of their own. And then of course I had a lease and, and, you know, I was off work at that time. Matt had, you know, had gotten a premier tenning going and he was, you know, free a lot of times in the evenings, whatever to go deer hunting. So, you know, we started hunting together and, uh, it kind of grew from there. And, um, we just kind of took it from, spending those times during the week and hunting together to then taking it into other areas. And, uh, and I'll kind of let him, him go into that because it gets more into, uh, into premier tanning and, and how some other business ventures that kind of spawned our friendship and, and the business side of it came along. Well, you mentioned, you, you mentioned something there, premier tanning. I know, you know, I, after Matt and I, you know, we played ball together and then, you know, several years went by. We didn't, we didn't really see each other. Didn't really, I guess, hang out in the same spots, same groups of people. But, you know, I think that's whenever Matt, I don't remember when it, when it was, but, you know, I, you, you tended one of my vehicles and that's the first time we'd seen each other in quite a while. And that's kind of, kind of how we got, you know, I guess back friends or, or however you want to look at that. What, uh, so tell us about tell us about that side of you. I know you know a lot of people just know you as freak outdoors, but you as a young man kind of dove off into several several different things, and you know your tending business will be one, and probably you know made you successful first. Yeah, um, back in two thousand four, I was sixteen years old, and the rest of that time, you know, everybody's like, well, you know, for me at least, I'm have kids these days are, but I'm like, well, I gotta go get a job, and I can't, I can't ever forget it. I just wanted to work at Winn Dixie or uh, 
jungle right there. Well, for some reason, I just wanted to be a bag boy. I just thought it was the coolest thing ever. And uh, my friend Jonathan worked there. Uh, we were in the high school. I guess that's kind of what got me wanting to go work with him. But I guess it's kind of lucky to draw. You know, I got my call, my my first truck, and me and Jonathan went and dropped it off to get tinted and watched the guy do it. And uh, saw him do it and figured, like, we could do it ourselves and didn't want to pay to tent Jonathan, so we started doing it on our own. So that's been about uh, 15, going on 16 years now. Um, I guess that's not right. Yeah, 15, 15 years now that we've been tinting windows and just crazy to think about us half my life. But um, we started tinting windows there and ended up working for Victor. Um, he's, still in, he's still in business, one of our biggest competitors today, but he's also one of our best friends in the business, you know, after we ended up leaving him. We, we eventually got back right, but um, in 2007, year after we graduated high school, or Jonathan graduated five, I graduated six, so the year after I graduated high school, me and Jonathan, you know, ended up leaving Victor's, and he ended up quitting uh, when Dixie, when it went out of business and turned into the market, but um, started that business, and here we are, 12 years in business now, and but there were some rough times, and I never really thought that's what I'd do forever. But thank God he uh, put, put his hand on my shoulder and had me get involved with Freak Outdoors when I decided to get it going. But, um, yeah, man, just tinting windows was, was all I knew. It's really the only job I've ever had outside of working construction one summer. In two, and uh, when I was 15, right before I started tinting, and I actually quit doing this to go tent for Victor. And I was digging footings around a... 3,000 square foot house with a pickaxe and a shovel and I decided real clear that's something I did not want to do the rest of my life so I guess it's kind of the Lord really has been guiding me through all this and I don't really have the answers to really give anybody about how I ended up where I'm at except for just hard work determination and believing in prayer Now Matt one of your first businesses if, if I'm remembering back something we talked about one time your mama had a tanning bed service, is that right? Oh yeah. A lot of people, you know, they don't they don't really know that really before baseball and before uh before all the business stuff started taking off, I, my mom started a tanning bed business when I was and she had a sewing business when I was born. So she's always been, you know, working for the public, so to say, but when I was about I'd say Eight or nine years old, she started this Canada business, and I kind of like would help her with that while I was at the house, and uh, just check people in and out, taking money, you know, signing people up, whatever, because um, it was located at the house there. And one day she decided she wanted to get out of it. And I was about, you know, 13, 14 years old, and, and I was like, well, you know, I'll just keep it going, you know. So about 14 years old, really, to be honest with you, I'd, for lack of, you know, saying, but. I started my own, or I had my own business at like 14 years old. So she kind of just said, here, you can do whatever you want to with it. And she still has the tanning beds, but it's not like she's going to sell it or anything. But I just kept it going. And until I got out of high school, I just decided that wasn't really what I wanted to do. I'm not going to go lay off in a tanning bed myself. But uh, it's just always been an inspiration, you know, watching my mom, you know, just not have to work for people. You know, she's been a nurse her whole life, so she's always worked for people. But just seeing that, that freedom that, you know, not have to answer to anybody my whole life has made me really 
dream of always being in business. So you actually started being an entrepreneur at age 14 before you moved in? Yeah, I guess that's what, what I was really around my whole life. You know, my dad wanted me to, my dad always called me a rocket scientist. When I was little, I had a super high IQ when I was working in second grade. And uh, I don't know what happened since then, but there's a lot of big, like, private schools that wanted my parents to to send me there. And I didn't get, like, my first C till you know, till the eighth grade. You know, my dad was still in car when I was in the eighth grade. So that kind of, like, took a toll on me, you know, being in the wreck with him and going through that. You know, losing my father, it kind of made me not really care anymore, to be honest with you. So I struggled with a lot there. And, you know, that, that whole part of my life right there, started my grades going downhill and, you know, not just caring anymore. You know, my, my outlook then was, you know, you'd be taken at any minute, so why, why should I even waste my time with this? But um, I wish I'd have started, you know, been more involved and kept my grades up. But before the wreck, I'd say that I'm almost positive I would have been some kind of weird scientist. So uh, <laughs> it it it. It is what it is. But well, could I, you I'm say instead of being a weird scientist, you've turned into a freaky scientist? This is I weird. guess so, man. I guess so. I guess so. But that's the direction my life was going. It was going to be either engineering, baseball, and then business. So about 14 and up, I've always been involved in business. Well, Matt, talking about you know that time in your life and starting your own business, was there ever a time... I know you work. You said you worked for Victor for a little while, but did you did you ever really, you know, as you started that, did you realize that you know you really couldn't work for somebody else, or you just wanted your own business to work for yourself, or what was your, you know, kind of kind of thought process there? Um, I guess it's kind of my mentality. Um, a lot of people, you know, and you kind of end up uh, this this head bump here and there. And we just recently went in business together, and uh, we'll, we'll get back on a year later and see how see if we still if, which ones killed each other on it. But a lot of people have their mentality to be a leader, and then some of them not necessarily to be a follower, but it's the kind of person you are. Like some people follow better than they lead, and that's always been my mentality. Like. I want to be that guy. I was a pitcher in baseball. I want to be the guy with the game in my hands. If it's the ninth inning and we got to have a strikeout, put me on the mound. I may not, you know, succeed, but that's the kind of person I am. I mean, Daniel will tell you, we had a huge comeback in, in a softball game. We won't get into that story, but it's probably the biggest, biggest comeback in softball, football, softball history around here for sure. You know, 22 nothing in the last inning. You know, we come back 22 runs. Well, I was that guy counting batters going up to the plate saying, if this guy gets on, I'm going to hit the walk-off grand slam to win the game. And that's exactly where I want to be. So it's just the kind of person you are. You know, you want the pressure on your shoulders and, and you want to be proud of something. So that's always how I've been. Is I want to take this to the top. And not that I don't think that or believe in everybody else's leadership like Victor. He's a great guy. But I want to go different directions with, with things in my own hands. So it's just hard, really hard for me to lead or follow people. So it's something that I kind of struggle with. But I think, you know, first thing in life is admitting that you have, you know, you struggle with things. And that's something I struggle with, really, following somebody. And it's just because 
I know as a hard worker I am and, and I want the control to be in my hands because I know I can shoulder the load. Well, there was a, there was a little business adventure that, that you and Daniel went on there for a little while, didn't y'all? Oh, yeah. Yeah. We, uh, like Matt said, you know, he's had some entrepreneur runs in him and <clears throat> kind of my, my side of it was I went straight, straight to work out of high school, you know, went to college for a couple of years, but, you know, didn't really do much at Southwest, just was taking classes, didn't know what direction I wanted to go in and, uh, fell into, you know, a good job that offered me a lot of flexible income and I wanted to, I wanted to do the same things. I was all about money. How much money can I make? How can I take the money I got and make more money? You know, I didn't come from a wealthy family. I had a lot of things I wanted in life. I wanted to be able to go and do. So it was, how can I take the resources I've got in front of me and make more money? Matt had, you know, more time, I guess, so to say, due to owning his own business. So probably the, the first business venture we did together was, uh, I'd say it was 2008. You know, he had, you know, did some friend favors and tended a few vehicles for me and, um, I kind of had a, a vehicle problem that, uh, I had too many vehicles and I had a couple of vehicles I wanted to sell. And I had told Matt, I said, man, I'm going to sell this. The first thing was a, a, a 96 Z71 extended cab. It was lifted, big tires, rims. I said, man, I'm going to sell this truck for this much. Uh, why don't you buy it? He tried, he tried to get, he tried to pawn it off on me. And, uh, <laughs> I did. And because he had one, and his was having some issues, and he was like, man, I don't need that truck. I already got one. And I said, well, sell it for me. And uh, he said, okay. And I said, I'll tell you what. I want this much. If you sell it for anything over that, we'll split everything over 50-50. I don't care if it's 50 grand or $50. And uh, I said, that'll be your motivation to sell. Well, I guess I wasn't prepared for what was coming because <laughs> – we did a little work to that truck and, and a couple of nights at Jonathan's barn and I think it was less than a week. Actually, I remember the conversation. I was out of town. Matt was out of town. He listed the truck on Craigslist and before he got home, there was a, probably a 30 man waiting list wanting to come by that truck. So about $3,000 more than what I wanted for it to begin with. Really? And. We were sitting there talking about this problem we had because the second guy on the list, or no, it wasn't the second guy on the list. It was one of the later guys on the list called. We told him there was they a They called me list. twice. They called me yeah. once, and I told them I had a list. And, and I can tell this story now because this has been like, what, 12, uh, 15, 20, almost 20 yeah, years. I think the statute of limitations is up on it. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing wrong with this truck. It's just, you know, there were some minor things like, it had a body lift on it, and it, it broke through the cab, and the cab was leaning, and we had to get that fixed before I could to anybody. Really, that was all it was. And I'd been telling people, you know, the guy's offshore, and he won't be back with the truck till whatever, so I'll, uh, when he gets back or whatever, you're, you're fifth on the list, sixth on the list. And this dude called me, had his wife call me, and I told his wife that. And then he called me to see if I was telling the truth, and by the time he called me, he was about 15th in line. And he hit me with that, uh, well, look, 
I want a five thousand dollars for it. He said, If I come drive it, you put me number one on the list. If I drive it and I like it and I want it, I'll give you a thousand dollars more, I'll give you sixty one hundred dollar bills. And I said, Oh, cool. said, Man, uh I'm a man of my word, so I gotta at least give number one a chance, you know. I gotta call him and give him first option and I'll put you number two because if, if I don't call number one, number one is gonna know I was lying, he might call me. And he said, All right and I called number one and I was like, Please don't answer, please don't answer <laughs> and uh the guy didn't answer. So I bumped that guy up to number two. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That guy showed up about two days later with $6,100 bills, and he drove, you know, if you're from Macomb, you know where where tractor supply is and West Build Materials used to be. He pretty much drove that truck from there to the interstate and back and handed Matt $6,100 bills, and we never heard from him again. No issues, no complaints. So I was sitting there, and when this happened, I had a Camaro that I picked up. I said, Matt, I said, let's, let's sell my Camaro. Well, in the same day that another vehicle ended up getting sold that I had that wasn't worth a whole lot, the Camaro sales. And actually, Victor's nephew had a truck parked at Victor's shop. And I ended up getting that truck on a deal. The guy was in a bind and needed some money. I bought the truck for probably a $15,000 truck. I bought it for, I think, five grand. Matt called me and said, dude, I got a five-ass truck. He said, if you got five cash right now, you need to buy this truck no matter what. This guy needs money. He's in a bind. He's willing to sell it. It was a, it was a 7.3 power stroke diesel, lifted, rims, tires, all, the whole thing, the rhino line. I mean, it was a fine truck. Didn't have like 70,000 miles on it. It was probably six or seven years old. And you guys know what a 7.3 is worth, you know, nowadays if you can find one. Oh, it'd be worth, it'd be worth 20 today. So I bought it for five and I said, I'm going to sell this truck. And it wasn't a month. Matt called me. His Daniel, Daniel didn't even look at it. I did, I did the buying, the buying deal just like I did the selling deal. I said, give me the money. I'll go get it. I signed his name on the dang title. We, uh, we I saw the truck when the dude, I saw it when the guy pulled up to my work in it to drop it off. That's the first time I saw it. And he said, you sure you want to do this? And I said, oh yeah, if you drove that truck here and it ran enough to get it here, I'm good with what I'm paying. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, a month later, we turned around and flipped that truck for 13000 And we actually took that money. I took my half. He took his half, and he invested in something, which was a, a big kicker into the him making a stride in, in, in Premier Tenning with being able to purchase some. It was the first time he had, like, a big, large lump sum of cash. Because I think on that one sale alone, we ended up splitting about $4,000 between the two of us each. We got about four grand along what we had already made. And over the next couple of months, man, we flipped numerous items for people. I remember he sold a boat that was sinking. <laughs> On a test drive, this boat was sinking to Percy Quinn. And and that's kind of where I knew when we when we did this little I guess you'd say income tax season entrepreneur flash sale of just buying and selling stuff, that's when we kind of both found a vested interest in each other of what we could bring to the table and, and, you know, built our trust with each other from a business standpoint. It took a lot of trust on my end to trust him with a lot of money. It took him with a lot of trust on my end that, you know, I wasn't going to stiff him when stuff did sell for way more and keeping my word of, hey, it doesn't matter what it sells for. I'm still going to split it 50-50 with you. Most people, 
wouldn't do that because it is a crazy deal. But it was my argument to myself was he's doing the legwork. And sometimes he'd come out way ahead. But, you know, I didn't make any money on that Camaro. He did not. He didn't. I made, you know, we sold it for what I could get for because I need to get rid of it. But, you know, we we use that as our first building block for, for business together. And then over time, I think I actually weaseled in too that to this whole deal, I would never have to pay for a tent job again. I, I, I think he's about got over. He's about got over on us now. I think fifteen, twenty vehicles later, I'm probably ahead now. But uh, you know, that's where that that's the kind of stuff. You know, Jacob, I know you got your own business. Um, you know, when you go into business with somebody else, like Matt talking about being the leader and trusting somebody, when you go into business with somebody else, you know, it, it's it's hard to to trust people in this day and age financially and with other responsibilities and kind of put your, your, your livelihood, I guess, so to say, in other people's hands and having that bond when we were in our early twenties and knowing we did this as kids pretty much as we progress later in our lives. And, and when you get in freak outdoors coming around and all that kind of stuff, that's really what cemented me supporting him and being there for him and him knowing that I would be there for him, you know, and us not having to worry about why each other were there. We knew we were both there for genuine reasons that we would both have each other's back to support each other. Well, I know I've, you know, through the years of, you know, I'm kind of like you, Daniel. I've probably had 15 or 20 vehicles myself and, of course, I had to get Matt to pretty much tent every one of them. But I've seen Matt through, you know, through the premier tenting and, and some other things that he's tried through the years, and he's always been successful. And, you know, I don't, I don't really know exactly what to credit that to other than, than him having a solid head on his shoulders from an entrepreneur, you know, mindset. But it's always pretty humbling to, to think that, you know, knowing a guy that you, you knew as a kid and, you know, him always having the hustle of, you know, making it for himself. If there ever was, you know, I guess a perfect, you know, entrepreneur story from a, from, from knowing someone and knowing them young, you know, I would always, you know, have to, Matt Owl would always pop in my mind of being that person and you know he's always you know been the one to if he's got an idea he's gonna run it and nine times out of ten he's gonna be successful at it but you know it kind of leads me into another question I've you know I, I don't know, I guess I've never really asked you this Matt but you know as you you work for yourself and you know, got off into these different type business ideas and then you know ultimately had had premier tinning were there ever any times that you were like, man, I don't think this is going to work. I think I'm going to have to go get me a real job. I don't see this, this going well. Yeah. Um, a lot of people, a lot of people don't know this either. Um, don't really, you know, talk about it. And here lately, you know, or getting older, I guess, with uh, the growth of Freak Outdoors, it's really kind of made me be really humble. So I don't really talk about the bad times or the really the good times. You know, I'm not running around talking about how good we're doing and uh, or how bad we're doing. So it's just things that I keep between me and you know the good Lord above. But back in November 2008, um, me and Jonathan started. We of course we started in 2007, but we've been sitting for probably three or four years up until this point. But it was one of our first years in business, and you can kind of credit it's not being serious. That goes back to the love of the outdoors, me and Jonathan love to fish, so we fished every day. You know, our shop was right in front of his dad's pond and his uncle Stacy's pond and 
we'd go fish every day and we'd get a call, we'd go send a car and go make 140, 150 bucks and make about, you know, a couple hundred bucks a day would be fine at 19 years old. It didn't matter if we made $300 a week, you know, that's more than we were making at our, at our jobs when we were working, you know, at Victor's, but we just wanted to fish when we wanted to work. So, I mean, had we been more serious, we would have never probably run into this history. That was a real eye opener, you know, November 2008. Um, we, we got really slow. Of course, when it gets cooler, it's more of a slow time for the, the business anyway. It was kind of seasonal, but we didn't send a window for three weeks, like not one single window. And, uh, that's, that's hard to do when you're making just enough, you know, to get by every week. So you get to that point, you're like, am I really, you know, doing what I need to be doing or do I need a more steady income job? And so we started asking these questions. So, you know, of course we, we lean on prayer and I'd, uh, remember it like it was yesterday and Jonathan was talking about, you know, he's going to do something else. And, uh, I'm laying in bed one night, I'm praying to God. I'm like, you know, just give me a sign. Like, I don't want to ask for too much. I'm not asking you to save my business or, you know, make me wealthy because I don't believe that is, uh, you know, in God's, God's plans, but I do believe that he gives you signs and, and I said, give me a sign. Show me I'm doing the right thing I, I, I need to be doing. And, or, you know, if, if I'm not doing the right thing I need to be doing, I need to be doing something else in my life, you know, lead me in that direction. So I got a call the next morning. As soon as I woke up, I had a voicemail return a call, um, to this, to the general manager for a, a group of gas stations and we sent, you know, cars and buildings and houses. And they wanted us to come sent their gas station. We ended up landing that job, you know, a few days later. And it was like a $6,000 job. And we were like, you know, this, this is what I need to be doing because this is, this is my answer. So that, that whole job, you know, even though we were slow on the car side, it got us back into that, you know, tax season, rush of business and really got us that, that extra win we needed to uh, make it through, you know, but then Jonathan did eventually, you know, have to go work for his dad and, and all that. But yeah, there was, there was times, man, I, I'd had to pray to God and, and say, you know, give me a sign. And it still happens to this day, you know, with, with when I ended up, you know, going, I don't want to get too far ahead, but going full time with Freak Outdoors. And even to this day, Jonathan, you know, runs into times where we're like, you know, what, what, what do I need to be doing? You know, everybody runs into those your, your whole life, but God's really blessed us and, and I had a I had an instance when a lady pulled up. They just got done, like, got rid of inspection stickers on cars, and she pulled up and said, "Can you take this inspection sticker off?" And I said, "I said I sure can." And I took it off, and she said, "What are you?" And I said, "Nothing." I was like, "It took me two minutes, you know." And she said, "Well, can I pray for you?" And I said, "Of course." And uh, she said, "I'm gonna pray for you." I had a concrete guy. He come and did some work for me or did something, and I told him I was going to pray for him. He was a good blessing, blessing he could have. And, and at that time, it was probably about, you know, 2000, 2014, 2015, and I was like, you know, all right. I said, and I was already busy. You know, when I moved on to Delaware, I stayed pretty busy, and I was like, well, I don't really think I could get much busier, you know. And, and the lady left, and, you know, I wish I could, you know, if, if the Lord makes her hear this somehow and, and – I wanted to come back. I want to thank her, but um, I kid you not. Like the next week, I was booking into the following week by Wednesday. So by Wednesday, we were booked up halfway through the next week. And it's just like I never got caught up. 
And a lot of people, when they look at this, my window tinting business, they all say, and, and y'all may think it or have thought it in the past, how do you tint enough windows? And is there, how is there enough cars in Macomb, Mississippi to, to tint every day? And, you know, I don't, I don't know the answer. The only answer I can give you is God wants me to do it. So, well, uh, thankfully for that lady, she prayed for us and we've been busy ever since. That kind of reminds me of a story, you know, talking about the power of prayer and, you know, believing God is going to steer you, you know, in the direction of which you need to go. Um, kind of reminds me of a story I heard Will Primos tell one time that, you know, in the, I guess it was in the beginning days of, of Primos. He was, uh, he was in a, in a struggling time with the business and, you know, it was kind of getting to the point to where he, he couldn't pay his employees and, he had uh he had had an invoice come in for some products that they had ordered, and it's pretty pretty large amount the way he talked. And so when he's looking at the invoice, worried about if he's going to have money to pay it to begin with, but realized it was it was you know smaller amount than what he thought it would be. So he started looking on the invoice and kind of comparing it to the products he had received, and he realized that the invoice was missing a substantial amount of products that he already had in hand. So he sat there for a minute and, you know, as he was telling the story, he said he just sat there and said, you know, kind of on one hand, he could, he could pay the invoice and, you know, potentially short them, you know, however, however amount of dollars it was or, or he could do the right thing the way he had been raised, the way he had, you know, faith in the, in the Lord that he could, he could call the company and say, Hey, look, I think you made a mistake. And, but if he did that, at the same time they sent the correct invoice in, he knew he wouldn't be able to pay it and his employees. But he had he had he had faith in the Lord that doing the right thing was gonna gonna lead him to, to bigger things. So listen to that story him tell it he, he called the, the company up, told him about the mistake and you know, they apologized and said, Well, we'll have you a corrected invoice within a week or so and he said that there was a company that, you know, they, they sold to their different companies their product and said for whatever reason, one of the companies paid him about two weeks early than what they were originally needed to pay. And not only was he able to pay that invoice that came in for the corrected amount, he was able to make payroll. And he said after that, things just it just flowed through. So, you know, it's pretty, pretty awesome to to. to to, to think about the, you know, the, the direction that the Lord can, can lead us in and the power of prayer and, and you know, where, where it can lead us. But kind of going on to another part of the story, I remember, you know, kind of like I said, I had plenty of vehicles, so I was always in and out of the tent shop a pretty good bit. But I remember, Matt, it was, I believe it was the summer of 2014. I pulled up to the tent shop. Hey, Matt, got another truck. Need you to put some tent on it for me. And, you know, I remember you opened the door up. I pulled in. And, uh, I think the, the, the lazy boy chair, as I'll call it over there by the computer, is always my go-to spot while I'd sit there and watch you work your magic. But I remember going in that day and going over there by the computer, sitting in the chair and having to look over there on the desk. And I see something laying there. And I look at it for just a minute, I believe, and like, hey, Matt, what is this? And uh, you're like, oh, that's just something I was I was playing with the other night. And 
I was like, you mind if I have it? He's like, no, no. I said, I'm going to put it on my truck. And uh, you, you remember anything like that? Oh, yeah, man. I uh, created that detail, man, and I'm sure it was just sitting there. And, you know, it's another, another story about God's wonderful work. But um, this has got it in your hands, and the rest of history, you made it You made it blow up. You know, um, yeah, just I had them laying around somewhere, and I didn't really know what I was going to do with it. I didn't even know what it was, just. Had this detail, so I freaked out doors on it. And anybody told me to stop wanting one, and I was sure you can have one. And really, that's kind of what my plan was in the beginning was just to give them away and have a cool detail. I mean, and then continue to the windows. Never believed that it would eventually turn into what it is today, but there's um, no doubt putting it on several of my friends' vehicles and stuff kind of got it uh, got it kicked off and never dreamed that it would take a life of its own. No doubt. I think I maybe even... I remember taking it home and I think I may have altered it some kind of way and but I, I did put it on my truck that day whenever I got home. Thought it was something something cool, something I'd never seen before. And like, hey, I think I'm going to put this on my truck. But, well, Matt, man, Jacob, I think we're about at the, uh, I think at the end of this. I think that's a good spot to stop right there. And we know that this is going to have another episode or so. I think that's a great place to stop. Matt, Daniel, we appreciate y'all being on here tonight and sharing your story with us. Jeremy, have you got anything else we need to do before we close out? Man, like you said, I think it's pretty obvious that we got a we've got a lot more story to tell. But like you say, we're out of we're out of time this evening. We're gonna we're gonna come back with Matt Daniel. We're gonna end it here tonight. Everybody, thank you for listening to this episode of Outdoor Country Talk with Jacob and Jeremy. God bless. Thank y'all. Thank y'all. Ain't nothing like a southern air Lord, to make you feel alright I got the windows down I got the radio on